Welcome to the Survival Prepper Show, where being labeled a crazy prepper is a badge of honor. Learn about disaster preparedness, survival, and get ready for whatever challenges might come your way. This is not your typical prepping podcast, and they won't be silenced by the censors. Here are your hosts, Duff and Dale. Hey everyone, welcome to the show today. Man, there's we got a lot of stuff today. Uh, there's just, I, I mean, it, there's always a lot going on, but it seems like today is like, uh, as usual, just story after story after story. Uh, I suppose what we'll do is start with Biden uh, talking about a mild recession or something like that. So when he says we're we're going to see a mild recession, what does that really mean? Because we've seen his his takes on inflation and gas prices and all these. I mean, none of it's ever the truth. And this is politicians in general, but. What does a mild recession here in reality uh, mean? It's the same shit we've been talking about for weeks? <laughs> oh, I think you're muted. I had it good for like two weeks. <laughs> um, I think, uh, I don't know, that's kind of like saying, you know, a fart isn't so bad if it's silent. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like a mild fart, you know? No, man. It, and... The downside for Biden is you have there's a lot of economists out there already who are saying that, we're you know, we're already in a recession. And if we're not a recession, there's like the and I don't you know, I mean, hey, I trust I trust the uh, Wall Street and the economists just as much as I trust the the big pharma. Right. You know, like I, I don't believe any because because they manip- they're the ones in charge of manipulating the system. Yeah. And there's enough of them that are saying, hey, uh, like some really hard times are coming uh, financially. And I, I caught something yesterday that they're saying they're talking about two more interest rate bumps this year, to, you know, before the end of the year. Um, and they're like, some people were saying, oh, well, that should do it. But then like Jamie Dimon, you know, he's like a head of Morgan Stanley or something like that. I don't know. Um, he uh, He's like, no, like it's getting ready to get really bad. So I... Well, let me ask you this. If, if do we assume that pretty much whatever the white house says is opposite of the truth? Yeah. Yeah. It, well, that really depends though, because Biden the other day talks about nuclear Armageddon and that's something that shouldn't get said, but he said it out loud and they had to backtrack. But when they say something like this, yeah, you, you've got to completely think about what they, what he wants to say and what, what the reality is. So he doesn't want to address it at all. So we figured it, I got to say something about it. So this, we'll just go with this little minor, incy, teensy, wincy little recession that we might have, um, because he knows it's just it's just out there. But yeah, with the with the the ec, the economists and all that, I mean, who knows? Because you've got most of them that you you've kind of seen lately where most of them are gravitating towards that. Oh crap! Here we go mentality where usually it's kind of like 50 50 i think this is going to happen all speculation and all that these days it's and and to be honest i i i see a lot of zero hedge (laughs) and they're just negative all across the board but yeah yeah i think you know early on we were i think we talked early on it's like nah this isn't gonna go anywhere because it was like they should settle for peace. I think that was an early, like when it first kicked off and was it March, maybe March of uh, early this, early this year, February, March. 
Huh, weird. Ukraine, the Ukraine war kicked off in March and the first month of lockdowns happened in March the year before. Well, wow, crazy. Yeah. Or two years before. So, um, we were like, you know, I was like, no, they're going to, they're going to try to work something out. Right. Cause they, as soon as they go out there and realize the level of carnage they're going to cause on each side, like the thousands of deaths and all that, they're going to, okay, how can we both jockey for something? And remember that was going to happen. Like they were bound, they had the peace negotiation set for April and the Brits went in there and, and shut it down. Right. Yeah. So, so that's off the table. So, so that, that off ramp was gone and here we go. Right. And now I think my buddy, I think I was just telling you before, let me see what this guy's name is. A buddy of mine just sent me a uh, text a little bit ago and they just put Sergey Zerofigan. I can't pronounce his name, but it starts with two S's. That's never SS never has never worked out good when it's been involved in the military. <laughs> just saying um, they call they they've dubbed him Gen- general Armageddon. Now this is from the guardian. I don't know how much of, you know, what they're hyping and stuff, but I think with, what we see, what we've seen happen with the bridge getting blown up and, you know, Putin's, it hasn't worked out well for Putin. You know, he, I, I think he had a lot more faith in his military and we've just thrown so much technology to the Ukrainians yeah, that it hasn't worked out well. Now his back's in a corner, you know, I, you have, you have Biden out there literally saying that, yeah, he, this may lead to like nuclear arm again. I'm like, I don't see the Russians have no problem like screwing over their own people. Right. So I don't see them having a problem of dropping and like uh, we, we talked about in the last show, a tactical nuke and making it even worse was I just got done watching that Rogan episode with Rogan and Tulsi Gabbard from yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, and that was her whole thing. She's like, I'm here because um, like we are getting, we're, we're, we're like on the doorstep of having like a nuclear exchange on some level. Yeah, you know? there's a lot of stuff going on right now that we're on the doorstep of just just complete just chaos. And I think it's it's hard to to not say that there's some level of coordination with all of this stuff. Some some level of intentionality because you see the I mean it, and it's happening globally, but there's there's almost a a, a need to kind of push this stuff forward, kind of like what you were talking about with the peace talks and everything um, and trying to solve the problem doesn't seem like that's what they, they, and I mean, they, the whole freaking whoever's yeah. involved in this, that's what they want to happen. So it's almost like they want or need some sort of change. And this is the catalyst to do it. And by this, yeah. I mean the war, I mean the energy, I mean, not the, the inflation, all these different factors that go into that, that shift that, that is possible. Well, and I think, you know, going back to COVID, I have a, a fair number of people that I know are pretty high. They're, they're involved pretty high up in the executive protection industry, right? And a lot of them out in California. And a lot of the tech people, the people with a lot of money after COVID started going off and remember all the big land, everybody's going out and buying up land out in the country. Well, they did the same thing and they started building up like there are places to go for Armageddon, right? Yeah. Well, we know the politicians have theirs. That's taken care of for the ones that matter. Right? And then and then you have a bunch of these billionaires. I mean, if I had a billion dollars, can you imagine like the bunker I would have? Oh man. <laughs> Dude, like I, I mean, it would be it'd be awesome. Like you never have to come out of there. I'd have like light grow lights down there. So you just grow your food. Like you'd be under there for forever. Yeah. Anyhow, 
like so it was interesting when when Tulsi Gabbard was talking on Rogan, they were taught she was like, you know, don't forget, like, remember Hawaii had that nuclear drill go off that came went out and said, hey, incoming missile, you got like 20 minutes till the impact or whatever the heck it was. And people in Hawaii were like, where do you what do you do? Like, there's I mean, it's a new incoming nuclear warhead. There's no bunkers. There's no shelters or, you know, and then New York just did that drill. So, yeah, um, the, the specter of yeah. that, I think, is. And it's interesting. I think you watch people that are younger, like, you know, we kind of dealt with that as kids. Like we understand like, Hey dude, that's like this serious thing, like nuclear war is. And it's interesting looking at how people are just like, ah, they're like Putin won't do it. I mean, that's what they're coming back to. And I'm like, dude, Putin, does, you know, he's gotten his ass handed to him for a while now on this stuff. So will he do it? I don't know, but I wouldn't, would you rule it out? Yeah. And I think a part of that, the reason for that is that people are, it's what they see in movies. Most, you know, most people these days weren't alive in the sixties and didn't yeah, understand they never all have that. A, so they, what's that? When, when you have, when you have a nuclear war movie, they never just sit around and just have like the whole movie, just filming all the, like the, the bodies that have turned to dust and like yeah. all the carnage. They're always, they're always filming the survivors and they make it look cool. Yeah. And of course, you know, they have, they make it somewhat comfortable and all that. So. Yeah, most people have been kind of desensitized to it because they see it in the movies. They see, you know, the the old school bunkers and all that, and they think, oh, you know, that's just a little bit ridiculous. And then uh, they they don't connect the reality of the situation anymore with the actual event because it's all been fictionalized for so long, and we've just kind of put it off. It's like, you know, everybody's got them. Nobody's going to use them because everybody's got them. But we're actually, you know, right at that inflection point where you know, it becomes a reality. And most people, just like everything else, are going to be reacting once it happens rather than being proactive about the situation. So they're going to be like, oh, crap, this really happened? You know, it's just a you talking know, and, point and to a lot of people. People are like, well, if he only uses a tactical nuke or like, you know, something like that. But then what's the, res how, what's the response going to be? There's yeah. going to be a response to that. Like, how do, like, does the world just say, uh, okay, all right, everybody, like, let, I mean... I would hope they would try to do something, but I'm not so convinced that they're on board with not pushing stuff. Again, you know, it's, you get back to the military industrial complex with $1.7 trillion as our defense budget. There's a lot of incentive to have constant war. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Push know if as Biden, hard as possible. I don't, I don't know with Biden, same thing with Obama back when he was, you know, drawing his red line or whatever. It, it'd be like, okay, you do that one more time. I'm telling you. Well, but you've got about the, how crazy the global is aspect it? as well. Trump just came out. I think Trump came out yesterday or the day before and was like, Hey, y'all need to, you know, y'all you know, need, I don't know how he talks. I can't, I can't, I'm not an impressionist, but you know, he, he came out basically saying that they need to go to the peace table. Like you all need to get to the peace tables now. Like, yeah. And so what are they going to, I can't wait to see what like CNN does with that. Oh yeah. Look at that peacemonger over there <laughs> ah, silly peacemonger you know like i mean the part that, I mean, that was the party of peace right that was the party that didn't want to go to war that was the party of protest during vietnam and now look at them yeah yeah they've all gone to crap um you mentioned a little bit about tulsi gabbard earlier too uh and i did want to talk about that so we'll pivot to that real quick uh and then i also want to talk and and i suppose we'll probably get into it while we're talking about this too um this video you've got from general wesley clark and then also uh, some comments that Bill Burr, the comedian, made that go into 
and maybe I'll just do that after we talk about Tulsi, but they all go into how people are married, so married to their political party or their affiliation that they they can't see the big picture with all this stuff. And, you know, honestly, my, my feelings about Tulsi Gabbard, I don't know, because all politicians will say things and do things. But to me, it, it seems pretty genuine with her as far as where she's coming from. Uh, let me yeah. play... I'll, I'll get your thoughts on it, but let me play why uh, this video that she did about why she's uh, leaving the Democrat Party is basically what she said. She didn't say she's about becoming a Republican or anything like that, but you've also got a, few, a little bit of information on uh, that issue as well. But let me play this real quick. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party. It's now under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers driven by cowardly wokeness who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism, who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms enshrined in our constitution, and who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, who demonize the police, who protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Now, these are some of the main reasons I'm leaving the Democratic Party. And I'm going to talk a little bit. Okay, so basically what she just said there was what we talk about every single week. All the things that are wrong uh, with everything that's going on right now. And it, this is not to give the Republican Party a pass either. But... She, I mean, she. I, I think she nailed it. So when she says stuff like that and all the stuff she's been talking about, she's basically been labeled as alt-right or whatever by the mainstream media because of what she talks about. You were, uh, you had mentioned she was just on Joe Rogan, two quote-unquote uh, liberals by, by definition uh, that are talking about the same stuff that we're talking about. And I'm, I, I am not, you're, you're closer to liberal, I suppose, than I am. But uh, I am definitely not a Republican anymore. It'd be, it'd be nice if I still could be a Republican. It'd be nice to be able to go back, but not not the way they're structured now. But um, explain what you were talking about with Rogan. She she was talking about all of these talking points and what she's doing. And what does this mean for her political aspirations going forward? Well, she said that she's becoming an independent, right? I mean, she she's against a bunch of the Republican Party stuff as well. Um, she, Rogan asked her if she's going to run for president. She goes, it's just not a viable option. She says after Ross Perot, right. They changed the way the electoral call electoral college works. And, uh, and they've changed a couple other things. Like it, they've just made it impossible. Like you, you can't even get on the debate stage with them. Remember Ross Perot had to go out and buy like 45 minutes or whatever of, of airtime of commercial time. He went out and spent millions of dollars buying it on all the time. Yeah. So she's like, it's she, she's like, it's impossible for a third party to have a shot at it. Now, if I if I vote this time, which I now that I, I've seen her, I'll probably vote for her. And since so she won't be on the ballot, I'm going to write her in. Right. Like it's I don't have any other viable options in, in my from my perspective. I mean, vote, who, vote for who you want. But, yeah, it's um, it's interesting with her because. The Democrats are, you know, they're going to come out and go after her like they have been. But she was the, the second in charge of the Democratic National Committee at one point. Right. And and when she came out and supported Bernie Sanders, 
And because she says, I, I'm not supporting Hillary Clinton. Basically, that that started her her downfall with it and, and other stuff she did. You know, and people look at her. I mean, you look at her. She's like she mentioned, you know, uh, it's our rights under God. She's Hindu. Right? She was the first Hindu member of Congress. She's she's not Christian. You know, she's you know, it, it fits all. It's, it's interesting. She fits all of the Democratic Party, basically little check boxes, female woman of color. Heck, she's a veteran. She's an officer. You know, she's not Christian, like all this stuff. And they're going to come after her, but she has a lot of really good insight. And when she speaks, it, like you said a little bit ago, she's genuine, right? Like that's yeah, what I take like off her, that she's genuine. So I go, you know, I, it seems like she genuinely believes this stuff. She's had by being a congressperson, a high level ex of exposure to information and situations. So I, I kind of give her some credit when I'm, I'm listening to what she's saying. Yeah. I think regardless of whether she runs or not or what, what you agree or disagree with her and all that stuff, I think it's important that, that that voice saying those things is out there. The same thing with Joe Rogan doing that stuff. The same thing with Elon Musk doing that stuff. Uh, Dave Rubin, all these quote-unquote liberals that are getting out there just speaking common sense because that, that just shows how off the rails things have become these days. It, it is just so far... So far to the left, and I don't, I don't know that the right is so far to the right. Other than the fact they just don't do a damn thing, I, I think they're just they're they're in cahoots. They just don't want to be vocal and public about it. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't know that so far left because if you look at what the when we think of left, we, we could we say that because it's the Democrats, a lot of the wokeness and stuff. But when you look at most of what the Democrats are doing, it's all it, it's all big business, big pharma. Mil pro military and does. I mean, they're the ones pushing for the war. Yeah. Right. When they did, like, when they did one of the recent, the big uh, Ukrainian relief packages, aid packages, there were like 50 Republicans that voted no on it. Not one Democrat voted no on it. Yeah. They're the ones pushing the war. Right. So it's, I don't know what we're left with. Well, and it's, it's weird because, like, she was even saying in the, I think it was the beginning of this video, uh, or maybe it was something else I watched, but she was talking about how, it used to be, there used to be a, a pretty good definition between the two parties. Uh, one was, you know, big government, or one was, you know, working with the corporations, helping corporations. The other one was for the small people and all that. Nowadays, at, one was for war, one was for, one was not. Nowadays, it's all intertwined and it's all mixed. You don't even know who's, you know, what your party stands for anymore. So it's, it's insane. I think we do need these people, the voices that say, you know what, this is enough of this craziness. Well, and the problem is, and she get and she she makes that point right when she says that um, running a third party presidential candidate is impossible. Yeah, and she says not viable. So what's the like? Like none of these people are going to pull the pull up pitch on any of this. It's like we're going to talk about later, right? Like or maybe this weekend, whenever we get to it, is the the whole Nancy Pelosi and the insider stock trading bill that is not getting any traction, right? Like they. They're not shutting that down because none of them want to. They're all they're all sitting there making millions of dollars. Yeah, you know they they they're if they get caught doing insider trading, they get they get like some small fine, a couple hundred bucks maybe, from like the congressional we find other Congress people stuff. Like they don't care. They just made a couple million bucks. They're not shutting any of this stuff down. So if we can't get them to stop insider stock trading, 
like, what are we going to, when are they doing anything that Ben, you know, that just doesn't benefit them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I I think it's, I'm going to play this clip here of the general real quick, but um, I, I think that the only way that something it, changes get made because they're not going to do it up there. They they have no incentive to do it. They're they're capitalizing on all this stuff, and there's no incentive to do it. The corporations are making money, giving money. All this this machine is working exactly the way they want. I think the only way any of this stuff changes because, like you said, she can't necessarily get voted in as being an independent. The independent party that's got to change, and the way that's going to change is is the groundswell of support from the people uh, to force it, and that's. Otherwise, nothing, none of that crap is going to change. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, I want to play this uh, General Wesley Clark. You had sent me this clip the other day, and it was pretty interesting because this was, I don't know how many years ago this was, but um, he was talking about Libya, Syria, Iraq, and all that stuff and, and why they went in there. And I think the, the thing that stood out to me about this was the fact that it's a it's it's a planned narrative, and it's not it's not a... Like, hey, we need to do this for the global peace, the global good, and all that. It's none of that. It's it's a it's about you know just keeping the machine running, basically. Uh, let me play this on yeah. your comments. Well, on it. and real quick, just to preface this thing, yeah. this is him during an interview talking about my dog has the cone of shame on today, so he's walking Uh-oh. around inside the trailer, smashing and everything. He's a ninety pound <laughs> golden. He's smashing it all the walls. Anyway, we just had thunder. But anyway, he uh, Wesley Clark in here, he's being interviewed. And what he's talking about was going into a meeting shortly, like within a week or so after 9-11 at the Pentagon. And then a follow-up where he talked with this other general later on. So this is all right after 9-11 that the stuff that he's talking about happened. Okay. Okay. Let me put this on then. About 10 days after 9-11, I went through the Pentagon and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and, and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz. I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who had used, used to work for me. And one of the generals called me in. He said, sir, you got to come in. You got to come in and talk to me a second. I said, well, you're too busy. He said, no, no. He says, we've made the decision we're going to war with Iraq. This was on or about the 20th of September. I said, we're going to war with Iraq. Why? He said, I don't know. <laughs> he said, I guess they don't know what else to do. So uh, I said, well, did they find some information collect- connecting Saddam to al-Qaeda? He said, no, no. He says, there's nothing new that way. They just made the decision to go to war with Iraq. He said, I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we've got a good military and we can take down governments. And um, he said, I guess if... The only tool you have is a hammer. Every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense's office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. The truth is about the Middle East is, had there been no oil there, it would be like Africa. Nobody is threatening to intervene in Africa. The problem is the opposite. 
we keep asking for people to intervene and stop it. And there's, uh, there's no question that the presence of petroleum throughout the region has sparked great power involvement. Whether that was the specific motivation for the coup or not, I can't tell you, but, but there was definitely, there's always been this attitude that somehow we could intervene and use force in the region. Oh, all right. So I thought the, I wanted to play that all the way to the end because I thought that was interesting too because we've talked about that for a few weeks about how all of this stuff that's going on on a global level, on the global stage, is all, it, it may not be taking territory anymore, although, although that's what Russia's doing, but it's about resources. It's about, it's, it's about uh, countries surviving and growing and thriving and all that stuff. So if the Middle East has got something you want, the United States is going to take it, and they just make up excuses for three mm-hmm. decades now about why they're doing it. Um, oh, it's but, even more. It's it's even more because I believe he was also talking in there about Iran. And when we led to the uprising with the Shah back in the 50s, like we've been over there messing around over oil for years. Yeah. Yeah. And and he's talking about it, it basically, I mean, explaining the military industrial complex without explaining the military industrial complex. It's a we're mm-hmm. going to do this. And he's and he's, you know, maybe out of the loop or something. And he's asking why. And they're like, I don't know. It's just the orders I got. Well, you know, just, well just that was orders. that was because no, what was going on in the background there was Rumsfeld and Cheney. That was their like, all right, these are all the places we're gonna go hit. That, yeah. that was that's what happened in those as soon as that happened they're like all right now we got the green light like we can go do this because remember they they used the narrative of well they oh Iraq how are we going to get in Iraq well chemical weapons they're making chemical weapons to attack us to go bigger and better than what uh Osama bin Laden did all right let's go in there and then one thing after another this is that was all Rumsfeld and Cheney turning on the war machine you I mean, think about this what does the military industrial complex need to run? oil yeah (laughs) yeah right Uh, unless unless they're going by you know biden and they're going to get all their mil their military fleet turned into a electric vehicles and stuff what are the odds well i mean i mean i don't know if that's true because biden gave him 1.7 trillion dollars in dod defense budget this past year and he might say things are green they, they don't care. I mean, they're still making bombs and doing everything they need. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I, I know that you're making a joke, but like they're Biden's just pushed all in with this, just like they have. He's expanded the budget for the, for these guys. Yeah. They're, they're making more money now than they did when they're actually fighting in Afghanistan. And the beauty of it is for the, for the Biden administration, minus the fact if we go to war, other than the ones that volunteer to go over there and fight, yeah. So the military industrial complex is getting stupidly wealthy. He's not getting hammered because he's deploying American troops. No one has to hear Lee Greenwood and shit again. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I think your internet's freezing up every once in a while. Um, at any rate, well, Brian's kind of off the air right now. We'll see if he gets back. His internet's being kind of funky, but... Uh, yeah, oh, there I just are. had to switch it over. We got, yeah, we got a huge storm going. It's like a, a basically about a tropical storm coming off of Lake Michigan, kind of. I don't know, coming across Lake Michigan. So it's, uh, I, I had to look it up last night. Trail RVs can withstand, they say, generally up to seventy-five mile an hour winds. So 
we were cracking mid forties yesterday, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but on this, on with Wesley Clark and with Tulsi Gabbard, all of this stuff, like I was talking about, it, it seems like people, it, instead of paying attention to this stuff and asking questions about this stuff, they just go blindly what their political party says one way or the other. And I mm -hmm. wanted to, and this is probably going to piss some people off. And it honestly, it, uh, it, I, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure what I think about this clip from Bill Burr. I don't know if you heard this, but um, he was talking about he's yeah, answering I, I a question. What's that? I heard it the other morning. Okay. He was answering a question. I guess he had mentioned something about socialism, um, and I'm not even going to listen to that because I like Bill Burr, and I don't want to listen to that and not like him anymore because I think he's hilarious. <laughs> but he was talking about capitalism in this. I don't think he gets crazy. He just... Yeah, it, he was talking about capitalism crazy. in this, and basically he's what he's like, saying. I don't think he's bashing capitalism. I think what he's saying is, you know, regardless of whether you're talking about socialism, capitalism, communism, whatever, everybody's so married to their 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 system that you know they 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 ignore all the other crap. So he's he's basically saying, what's so special about capitalism? So uh, let me play this real quick. Maybe. Here we go. Last week you mentioned uh, you don't know why people demonize socialism. Um, I was really taken aback at that statement. Oh, Jesus Christ. Every country that has tried socialism has failed, and it's responsible for tens of millions of deaths. All right, so would you say capitalism is working? And is, it is not, uh, you know, when like, what is it, like 99% of the wealth is in like fucking 2% of the people's hands? All of these tent cities, you're telling me this is working? You don't think capitalism is responsible for tens of millions of deaths? Um, anyway, Russia, Germany, China, Cuba, and most recently, Venezuela have tried or right now are socialist countries. Um, as far as I know, whatever Cuba was trying to do, we prevented them from doing with a fucking embargo or whatever the hell we did. We've been fucking with them for 60 years. So I think you're looking at like, you know, like what a lot of people do is you look at your own country through rose-colored glasses, the same way you look at your own sports team, like, oh, my team doesn't cheat, but your team does. You're, you're, really, you're really sort of looking the other way with what capitalism has done to other countries. Um, all the sweatshop labor, all the wars we've fought in over, air quote, freedom, where most of it is about, you know, natural resources, all of these fucking countries where we've gone in and, you know, stuck in, heads of the government that are going to do what we want to do so we can fucking take advantage of them. Like, I mean, to sit there and look at capitalism, like, like it's, you know, I don't know. You're muted. All right. So basically what I was saying, that's enough of that. He throws out more F-bombs than Brian Duff, but, um, but I think what his point, or or what I got from that anyway, was that, and and I don't know that he's bashing capitalism, but it it's not it, it's not perfect, and and people that act like their party is perfect or cap or this way is perfect, um, just not seeing the full picture. They're kind of blind to all the shit that's going on, because as as much as I love this country yeah. and I love the way it works, uh, there's a lot of warts on this pig. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, he mentions all the countries and people want to go, oh, look how horrible. Uh, and I I abhor socialism. I abhor uh, communism, all that stuff. And here at the end of the day, what, what's our, what's the VA? 
What is the army? That's socialism. Those are social programs. Yeah. Right. So when you look at Venezuela, a lot of Venezuela's problems because we fucked with it. Look what we're doing with Russia right now. Like, and every, if, if you don't buy the, the mainstream narrative, then we are fuck. We, we, we were fucking with Russia. So this is us. And why are we doing that? Because we're making $1.7 trillion goes into the military industrial complex. That's capitalism. All the stuff we're talking about. The problem that we have is we have by and large valueless capitalism. Like our, the people running the organizations, the people running our government have no values. The only thing that they care about is getting their money is getting, you know, their ends met. So capitalism without values is terrible because they exploit people. I mean, Hey, you, you can, people can disagree with us uh, on some of this stuff, but a lot of the people who disagree are probably all, some of the same people that were very against vaccines. What was the whole purpose then of the vaccine? So big pharma could get rich capitalism. And again, yeah. I'm not saying socialism and communism. Like dude, we've seen the hundreds of million people that have died at the, as the result, at the result of socialism and communism and all the bullshit. Right. But to keep, to kid ourselves. Oh yeah, no, ours is great. I think that's what part of the problem is. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, real quick, Cassandra in the chat said, uh, so since Ukraine has things we want or need, uh, we'll go to bat for them. And I think, yeah, that's exactly what we've been talking about with the oil in the middle East. If, if Ukraine didn't, if, if they didn't have things that benefited us, mm-hmm. not a chance that we'd be over there helping them. Uh, or if, you know, if it, if it, if it was to the point where it didn't help Russia like it's like they're afraid it's going to, not a chance we'd be over there. So, I mean, who, who really gave a crap about Ukraine three, four years ago uh, other than Hunter Biden and Joe Biden? Well, Nobody. Well, remember, I mean, like, think about it. Think about how all this Ukraine shit where everybody gets on board with the whole Ukraine stuff. They impeached Trump over Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This has been like a Ukraine has been a... For being a, this small, innocent, indescript little fucking country on the bo- on the outside of Russia, sure been in the in the spotlight a lot. Why is that? Fucking corruption over there. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's the corruption. We're there. We know it, it's. Look, man, do I see their bank accounts? No, but like after the Panama Papers and everything, and there's been enough sources that say they've shifted a lot of their international money laundering through Ukraine for the for the elite and the wealthy. Well, it only makes sense. That's it. This is their slush fund. They need to keep it around. You know, how many of these billions of dollars that we're sending to them is going into Zelensky's and his cronies pockets? Yeah. But do yeah. we expect it to be different than when we funneled billions of dollars into Afghanistan and it went into their leaders pockets? I mean, the, the country that like net, the country that basically allowed loud uh, um, human trafficking of its own women, the country that was like a heart, like the, the central hub, for cybercrime around the world. Like when I did my security management degree back 15 years ago, something like that, 20 years ago now, somewhere in that ballpark, Ukraine was like known then as being the, the hub of cybercrime. So this, that country all of a sudden is now as pure as the driven snow. No, they just, they're all get financial gain by playing around, fucking around in Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and kind of to, to Bill Burr's point about capitalism and all that, I think it, it, it's also that same thing when people talk about fascism or, or this or, you know, calling names, calling people names and stuff. Well, you're, 
your video came back up full. I don't know if your internet's good again or what, but now the 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 I, I we probably got an inch of water in the since my internet started going down. It was just a straight like wall of water, and Starlink was not blasting through that wall of water very well, so it just came gotcha. back up. But that's pretty scary. My big old face in the picture there. Well, back to what he was saying though. I think I think of politics and and the way governments are structured around the world. And I don't know if this analogy is going to work or not, but I'm going to go with it and see if I can verbalize it correctly. But it's kind of like making a, a governments around the world. You can call them democracies. You can call them socialism. You can call them capitalism, you, whatever you want. But it's all like a like a pot of soup, right? The base of the soup is usually the same. You've, you've got the onions and garlic and the broth and all that stuff. And then once you start adding stuff into it, if you put chicken into it, it becomes chicken soup. If you put beef into it, it becomes beef soup. So just because we are a quote-unquote democracy uh, or it, it's representative republic, but people like to call it a democracy, doesn't mean there isn't a dash of socialism in it, dash of communism in it, dash of this or that in it that makes up our own unique kind of soup, right? And that's every, I, did, did, that, did that analogy work? Does that make sense? Everyone's well, yeah, I mean, I think it does. I I think the important part of that, though, is right, that at the base of it, whatever we want to call some sort of system within it, that everybody, like, our basic rights are upheld. Freedom. Yeah. yeah. Right to free speech and all that. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, no one, you, me, probably none of our friends has ever thought of the United States military as a socialist organization when in fact that's kind of what it is because it's based upon taxpayers and you're guaranteed this thing and all that stuff right but we don't look at it that way uh, because it's like if it's run by having values and not run crazy then like okay you guys as long as you're not screwing over our freedoms then good yeah do what you got to do over there right when it comes to our military and stuff well, and it's it's like the, the 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 democracy that we live in, right? It's a representative republic because they knew that true democracies um, would just run amok. So that's why they put that in there. So yes, we are a democracy, but no, we're not a democracy at the same time. It's it's the same thing. There are bits and pieces of each type of government um, that you know that the I guess not everybody has founders, but their politicians decide to use. So, and and none of them are perfect. So I think with what he was saying in there is yes, you know, don't don't tout the the accomplishments of capitalism and ignore the bad the bad parts about it. I love this country, but we bitch about it all the time on the show, and it doesn't make yeah. us bad people or or uh, you know communists or whatever. It's just I want I want things to be correct. I want things to get figured out before I see it just going down the tubes, uh, and that's the reason I bitch about it all the time. I think what Burr's also getting at in there too is tribalism and just being for your, like, Oh, whatever my side does is good. Whatever side yours does is bad. Or whatever you when, whatever the other side does is bad. Sets us up for failure. Like you have to question both sides. Yeah. If you don't do that, then you're part of the problem because at some point, someone on your side, it, it, the bell curve again, they're going to do something that isn't good. I mean, look at everybody got behind Paul Ryan back in the day. Oh, Paul Ryan, the darling of the tea party. And then he got in there and he wiped his ass with everybody. Yeah. And it wasn't until he was on the way out that everybody's going, well, Paul Ryan. Oh yeah. You know, forget that guy. But the whole time he was wiping his ass with everybody that voted for him, everybody's supporting him. Why? Because he's our tea party guy. 
He never acted like it. He campaigned on it and never acted like it. So you have to question your side. Like you should question your side more than you question the other side. Because if your side is wrong, that's the side you can do something to make it right. Because yeah. you should hope that the other side is doing the same thing, questioning their side so that they keep it on the straight and narrow. Right. But they're not. Yeah. not neither side is. And, and that's why I think what we do is important. What Tulsi Gabbard is doing is important. Joe Rogan, all these people that are just kind of sick of the way things are going right now. Uh, and talking about that stuff because it, it increases that awareness to those people that are just kind of going with whatever, you know, they're told to do one, you know, the election system rigged to the point where it's, you're, you're not electing somebody you like anymore. I mean, it's, it's the, yeah. it's you're you're voting against somebody you can't stand. I mean, that's the way it's set up and, and they love the game because they have all the control behind the scenes of, of who's going to get in there. And, and that's why they hated Trump so damn bad because they, they thought they had control and all of a sudden they lost control. Uh, so now they need to wane that back in. Watch watch some more laws and crap come out about third-party candidates and all that stuff. And watch them try to, oh, yeah. to refine that even more. Re- well, they, they've already, years. I mean, they've already changed the way they do funding and all that. But think about this. Like, go, go to, like, like, the nuclear war stuff again. Like, they're running, they're running down this road. So what are people doing? Like, what is everybody doing right now? Like, this is a possible risk. That it's, if you do, if you were to do a risk assessment, like, and you said, Hey, nuclear war, like five years ago, you'd probably, ah, fairly low risk right now. It's probably the highest risk it's been since, you know, the, maybe at least the Cuban missile crisis, maybe there was something else in between there that got it going up. So what are people doing to prepare? Like, what's your, you know, what's your preparedness plan right now? Like, like with the, and maybe you don't have anything. Like, I know we talked about yours like the other day, like, okay, if they did all this, what that would look like, but start coming up with like, Hey, we're going to hunker down. We're going to, you know, I don't know, put plastic up, whatever that is. You should be thinking about it right now because it's, it's the closest we've been to it in a long time. So the, the, the risk, your, your risk profile has gone up when it comes to a nuclear exchange. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with you. I just think it's so hard right now because yeah. you're you're literally thinking about everything being on the table. You've got economics, you've got that, you've got what's the possibility if if something kicks off in Ukraine, that's one thing. If something reaches a US shore, that's completely another thing. The escalation. I mean, there's so many different things you're thinking about right now that it really is it is tough to It'd be nice, I suppose, if there wasn't all this other shit going on. We could just talk about nuclear war uh, or fall. Well, and, and like here, here's where it even gets gets down the goes down the rabbit hole even a little bit more. All right, if let's say there is some sort of tactical thing nuke that happens over in Ukraine, Russia, whatever. I mean, you know, who, who knows what happens? And now the world's like, oh, we're about ready to go into nuclear war. Like everybody's on this crazy war footing. What do you think the laws and the the effects across society would be here in the States as far as, I mean, if you go back to World War, in World War I, they used the Spanish flu and they used like the powers in the specter of World War I uh, and, and spies and all that to lock up journalists, to lock people down. Mm-hmm. What do you think happens if, if 
that happens, whether it's a, a legitimate event, whether it's a false flag, we go down that war, we end up or path that we end up on a war footing with Russia and they start think of how they're going to generate all this sensationalism. And hey, if you're not on board with us, you're the enemy. I mean, we locked up the Japanese in World War Two because you might be spying on us. So where does that go? What happens to the Internet? Do they shut the Internet up? Martial law, we're shutting down the Internet. Yeah. Kind of stuff. I mean, you know, like we've talked about, they don't have the ability to go door to door. Like they don't have the numbers. But martial law could be, all right, we're shutting down the Internet to stop all this, you know, whatever. The Duff and Dale, you know, or the survival preppers show all these. Turn the, turn the lights off. We can't have that out there because because it because it, if it, if they're 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 generating up bad stuff that may cause bigger problems for society. So we got to shut like what what can happen then? Tulsi Gabbard actually talked about that. She goes, if we go down this road, watch how the civil liberties get further eroded in our country. Yeah. And, and we've talked about that a few times where they use emergency powers and it basically just tears up the rule book. This rule book that we all believe that are, are you know, they can't do this. They can't do that. Um, that rule book is gone when something like that happens. So, yeah, what if it what if it does become such a destabilizing uh, conflict or whatever that they have to they quote unquote have to put the clamps down on everybody to keep everything under control because their main goal is not to keep us safe. Their main goal is to maintain power. Their main goal is to maintain the United States as a as a country. So me and you don't we don't really matter. We we matter on the very small small scale. Once everything gets better, then we're part of that machine that feeds the economy. Other than that, they don't care. So when it does come to a situation like that, I could yeah, all bets are off at that point. Uh, regardless whether it's all our fault, their fault, somebody else's fault, whose fault. If it's if if the United States is destabilized, they'll do whatever they have to to make sure and correct that. That you brought up a great point that I don't think a lot of people really think about is they they basically have the on off switch for the internet. So that thing that we depend on uh, so much these days, that thing that everything depends on, you know, as far as the economy, um, they basically have the on off switch for that or or could. Now, I don't know how that would work because you can't really just shut the whole internet off because of all the different companies and corporations well, that do depend on it. But I mean, if, if we think that the, if we think about Facebook and how we've talked about a number of times, how much data, data points, like little, can you get your phone? Right? Like if you're a person that sleeps with their phone next to them and you pick it up to look at your clock, they know how, like how often are you waking up during your night? They know, you know, you get on and you go for walks. I actually have an article coming out um, that uh, a writer, Jeremiah Johnson just wrote. I don't know when it's coming out, probably in a week or two. Um, but he talks a lot about this. Like they get all this data because from everything you do with your apps, you go down to the beach, you take a photo, you go to the store, you know, you're, they're, they're able to put, pull so much data together that if they're actually doing it. Well, maybe they just, you, Hey, shut these people off of the internet. Yeah. Right. We don't want these people having like, well, you can't, you don't have access or uh, Maxine waters. Apparently, I don't know if you've heard this one is pushing that, that, crazy lunatic is pushing for the digital dollar. So, oh yeah, hey, let's shut you. We're, you're not allowed to fly, so we're not even going to allow you to spend money on a flight. You can't leave your state. Like we, you know, you're not allowed to go into it like for fuel. So you get to another state and, and your digital dollar doesn't, isn't able to fuel up your gas. And since it's, you know, a corporate gas station, they're like, oh yeah, we're only, we're not taking cash anymore. 
yeah. only digital dollars. Go turn your, your your cash in and get digital dollars. That's the, that's the concerning thing about all these people that are so willing to just give the government more control, more control, more control. Makes life easier. Mm-hmm. Having a digi- digital dollar would make everything a whole lot easier because then you're not really, you know, you, you don't have to depend on cash and all that stuff. But the in the in the context that we're talking about right here when when all the chips are on the table when the the society is destabilized and they have complete control to do whatever they want and declare emergency powers and if the more they have the more they can do and the more we are subject to whatever the hell they want to do so you've got the digital dollar you've got all the the data points you were talking about uh, with the internet I suppose there probably are ways that they can shut out certain subsets of that. And, you know, if they can close you out of your bank account, that's one part. If they can, you know, shut well, down certain things in, in, in through IP addresses and all that. I'm not some kind of tech came geek, up so with I don't a, know what all the ins and outs of that are. But if the government came up with some policy or some suggestions, I mean, we saw we you, you've seen like where. Zuckerberg said, yeah, we had FBI agents show up and tell us like, hey, this is basically told them to throttle people. Right. Mm-hmm. And they did. So if if the government comes out and says, hey, man, national security, we got all these, you know, people that are pro, we, we can't have any protests going on right now. It's national security. So we need you to shut down all these prepper channels. We need them shut off like they can. They don't even have to shut off the Internet. They can literally have the social media companies. You know, hey, executive or, you know, executive request, can you please help us for, you know, do the do the, the, the Patriot filter only allow people who truly support the war effort against Russia to have good online access to, to some kind extent. They're already doing that. Uh, yeah, they did it with COVID. exactly. Yeah. But it, yeah. Would get, it would give them literally the excuse that it became an official thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it, and, and, you know, they'd fall in line because of all the, the crap that's going on. That kind of brings me to, uh, and I'll, we'll talk about this and then we're going to get out of here today. But um, this article that uh, from Breitbart that I was talking about the, the, uh, the bill that, or, or something is getting ready to go through that is basically, I mean, let me put this article on, uh, it says what it is here and I'll put it on full screen so people can see this. Uh, but it's basically the the Journalism Competition and Protection Act. Yep. And I haven't heard GCPA. much about this. I, I'm glad you have because I'm going to get your thoughts on it. But um, this is basically uh, what it does. And I'm trying to figure this out. But it's basically an antitrust thing where uh, media corporations kind of uh, will get in line with with big tech and all of that. And it makes it easier for them to suppress information. Kind of the same thing you were just talking about. Makes it easier for them to what, what, suppress information and get only the the approved information out there. What they're tr- what they're trying to go basically what there's my understanding of this and I, and I saw it they, a few months back when they were talking about it was that they they want they're basically what they're trying to do is come up with a policy or a legal means to promote certain information like oh well you're a trusted media source so we're going to promote you hey it's one of the things that's happening right now on youtube and across social media all these movie stars you know uh are going out and 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 really famous people that have been on traditional media and they're seeing how much 
how much traction is getting on made on YouTube. So now you got like people like, you know, Chris Rock and other people going out interviewing John Travolta. They're interview they get all these famous movie stars coming and they're trying to dominate because they're trying to take the voice away from us. Like, Oh, Hey, now that you got all this stuff's going on, let's come in there and try to dominate it. I encourage everybody like those people have a platform, traditional media, go fucking over there. They're, they're trying to come and get everybody, give everybody's money. But this is all part of this. This whole JCPA is meant to promote trusted, well-known sources over lesser known, basically trusted. It's meant to uh, promote establishment, people who are in line with establishment and suppress independent sources. Yeah. Quote unquote, battle misinformation. Uh, hey, real quick yeah. here. Uh, uh, living in 1984. That's a cool <laughs> name. <laughs> he said, uh, hey, y'all listening yeah, right? from Northern Ireland. That's pretty cool. Uh, it's not better. It's it's not any better here in the UK. We're all doomed. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. Hey, and, and you know what? I, I don't know if there really is much of a difference anymore between the United States and the UK. I mean, other than size. It, it's, well, I mean, here, both- here, here's the shame of it. If they launch some nukes around the world, it doesn't really matter. There's no difference. Yeah, that's true. Right? If our society all gets blasted, I mean, and and, and Tulsi and uh, Rogan talk about this and like, they're literally going, do you know what that would be like? And and Tulsi makes a point of mentioning that, you know, all these senior politicians, they all have, they're all going to be taken care of. The government is set up to take care of them because you got to maintain the government in time of war. But like, she's like, what happens to the rest of the people if something like this comes to pass? Like everybody, we talk about it, like how fast the die-offs and stuff will happen. Like yeah. this is the, the prepper you know, SHTF, it's, the, it's the, the other book I'm writing right now. It's the SHTF stuff that's going to happen. Level stuff that's possible off this. What do you yeah. think? And it, it's just like during the pandemic, right? It, it, preppers get chastised, made fun of, all of this stuff. But the things that we talk about, the things that we talked about during the pandemic, where was everybody going? They were going to prepper websites. They were looking for all this information. The same stuff that we're talking about now. Granted, we're not saying this is 100% for sure going to happen, anything like that. But it is one of those things you better pay attention to. And the fact that we've talked about this, the fact that preppers prepare a little bit or as much as they can uh, beforehand means going into it, it, it's it's going to be the same type of situation it was during the pandemic. Yes, preppers have it all handled or, or uh, have a, be- a better handle on it than most people. But those people are going to be looking to preppers and these people that are um, thinking about this stuff, asking for advice and all that. Yeah. So... Good on us, <laughs> again, basically. And and like well, we said a I while mean, ago, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, that the prepping no, popularity No, it's, it's a terrible is. thing. Like, yeah. let me ask, we, we've talked about this. Right now, the, the, the merry-go-round stops. The society merry-go-round stops. How ready are you, Dale? I can think off right off the hand, right off the bat, you you have fucked all, fuck all for water because your well's a thousand feet deep and you haven't figured that one out yet. And you're I've sitting downwind. You're, you're sitting downwind. I know you got a bit, but you, but let's let's talk about like like the mirror go round stops. This ain't this isn't like the mirror go round starts back up until like past a, long a month while down the road. Past a month. Oh yeah. yeah. Past a month. If they, I mean, what ha- it, Let's let's assume you know, and hopefully, obviously, this never comes to pass. Denver and Colorado Springs get vaporized. What does that look like for you? 
<laughs> well, right? and, like, and I mean, like so you said, it's water is the shortfall. Everything else, I'm I'm cool on. I could last a while. Yeah, but water is that shortfall, and and I think water is for a lot of people too. Sure. Well, I mean, the the problem is is even most preppers. I mean, you have your homesteaders who are a lot more resilient in, when it comes to that long term stuff. But unless you, that's you and you have that set up, as soon as that happens, you're on the clock. Your clock is ticking until, yeah. so, and, and that clock is how fast does like, like your ability to find and get water to come back. Let's say use water, for example, what, what, where does that intersect with your, with your, where, where you're going to run out of water? You know, it's, it's like, it's like when you lo- you lose a job, at what point does your money run out uh, compared to when you get your car paid off? Yeah, right? I, I see like, what you're saying. Where, what is that trajectory? What's that trajectory like when you run out of your of the whatever it is that you don't have enough of that's you need for life sustaining stuff? Like, what do you where are you at with that? You know, I'll tell you what. In a month, I could figure out how to get my solar panels hooked up to that damn well pump. <laughs> so and and you know and that's something I've I've actually looked out now. Uh, I'm no electrician though, so it's not something that I'm going to do. But uh, that that is, it, it's a, okay, it's a so problem that I should have fixed before it even gets to that point. But yes, yes, and I'm it, not busting your chops on that again. I'm, I'm not. Tr- I'm just using it, that as an true. example because well, here here's the other thing. Okay, you say I get my I can get my solar panels figured out, and you're pretty handy with that stuff. Like you do a lot of that shit. All right, two nukes just detonate. One over Denver. One over Colorado Springs. <laughs> I'm stuck in my basement. Where, where, where does the MP like, isn't there an EMP pretty much involved with that? I, I don't know anything about it other than that. I'm pretty sure that there's an EMP involved with nuclear. That's how they figured out that there's EMPs was when they went from nukes is they actually experienced starfish prime, right? When they did starfish prime back in the early sixties, I think it was 63. They launched, they launched a missile to detonate in the atmosphere to see what would happen. And that's the one that downed like a bunch of the phone lines and stuff, not the lines, but down the phone grid and stuff like that in Hawaii. Like hundreds well, and hundreds of miles away. So you got two high yield nukes that hit hit around you. What does that do to your, you know, are, are you tapping into your lights out kit then? If it's a ground strike and I'm close enough for the EMP aspect of it to affect me, I'm toast because that okay. you're in that radius. If it's an airburst, that's where the EMP factor comes in because it's a wider range. Uh, but there's no, the, the fallout isn't there with an airburst because it doesn't have all those the building particles, the concrete and dust and all that to collect. Oh yeah, no, I mean, you, you're not going to die of radiation poison. You're just not going to have any power. Well, if they do that, if they do a, a an airburst, yeah, that, that very I, well I think, could be. I'm pretty sure most, I'm pretty sure most nukes are airburst, man. Nowadays. Yeah. Well, if they're trying to, if they're trying to um, take down Cheyenne mountain or something, that's not going to be an airburst. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, I don't, I, I think Cheyenne mountains, the least of your worries over there. It is you know, literally the least of my worries because the wind's blowing the other way. It's the ones in Denver. <laughs> that, yeah. That, yeah. That but that, that's what I'm out. saying with it. You know, it's like, I, I don't want to make everybody like depress anyone depressed or more than worried, but it's like, start thinking your head, get your head around that. Go, you know what? Maybe I will consolidate this and do this. Like we have, have, have a plan with what you have to like, all right, I hear this is going on. This is exact. Like the first actions, the actions you take when it first goes down are going to set the tone for a lot of your shit to come afterwards. Yeah. You should pre-think those actions. Something happens when you're home, right? Yeah. Hey, Roger said, hey, look, I managed to catch part of the live show. Welcome, hey, Robert. Roger. 
Hey, it, or yeah, Roger. Uh, you got good timing too. We're talking about how we're all going to die. So, <laughs> well, no, I mean, I I think you need to have a plan though. For how many of people have thought about? Okay, the word comes in that just like in Hawaii, you know, a, was a year or two years ago when the nuclear missile alarm went off over there. What is your plan when that if that alarm goes off? Like, what is your response? I'm going to go here. I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to gather my fam. What is that? Yeah. Like literally think that stuff through. Cause if you hear it, it's not like you're going to have a whole lot of time to, to, to figure it out. And maybe it's not anywhere near you, but the chaos that'll come, maybe, maybe they don't, you know, nuke Denver, but like a few cities get vaporized, right? Like it's some sort of limited exchange, the chaos that will happen because of that. Like you're going to want that time to make sure you get your, you get, you know, we always talk about the three days after like uh, um, the grid going down, like where everybody sits around waiting for information. If everybody yeah. knew that there were incoming nukes and all of a sudden everything goes silent, everybody's going to probably have a good idea what happened and shit might go bonkers. So that lead time, whatever you get on that first time before thing, things go, Selko talks about it. How like at first people are kind of in disbelief and then society goes really kind of melts down and then it starts forming a new society based upon the new circumstances. Well, when that first meltdown happens, as much as you can do to get ahead of any of the problems that come out of that, it, it would benefit you. So yeah. I, I think kind of a game plan that like for you calling Lisa, like, hey, this is what we got. Head leave. Like, are you head home? Like, what's the plan? Yeah. You know, if she's not home in so long, do you go meet her? What do you do? Yeah. The, the problem with all of that, is, you know, as we were talking about earlier, that that real large scale type stuff, long term or longer term type stuff. The problem with, with that is that it's really tough to define what might happen because the longer something goes, mm -hmm. the more variables that are involved in that situation. So if, if you're thinking about, you know, what first you've got the nuclear strike, right? Then you've got the fallout fallout only lasts for a few days, but then you've got the, you know, the radiation and all that stuff in the, in the dirt, in the soil on everything basically. Uh, so, you've got that to deal with. So once you get past mm -hmm. a month, there are so many different variables involved with all this stuff. Well, is the conflict still going on? I mean, well, so many different I, I things. think at that point, when you get to the, like, if you get to the month stage, like you're going to have all the, like you're going to have whatever information you have at that time. And you're going to say, all right, this is what we need to do. You're going to have a month to make a decision. It may not be a great decision. It might be, hey, we're going to just sit in this basement and hope we don't all like our hair fall and die of radiation. I, I don't know whatever that is. But I think the most critical that you have is understanding what to do in like your first 24 hours, the first 48 hours. Like I'm, we're, everybody come here. We're doing this because you have all your stuff somewhere. It's do you get your stuff? What do you do? How do you approach those? Those first early hours are going to set you up for to struggle less or to have better, more success, whichever way you want to look at it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's establishing your foundation. It's like, we just like some cities just got vaporized. Society's going to come unglued. All right, let's get prepared to do like face this. And that's what you do in that first 24 or 48 hours, e even sooner. I think over the, that time span of, of a month or longer, you're, you're basically reassessing a few times of what yeah, actually it, it could be day to day on a daily basis. You're reassessing what's going on, what your plans are and all of that, mm -hmm. because it could literally that large scale of a, a situation could literally change on a daily basis. Uh, 
mm-hmm. especially when you're talking about global conflict and nuclear bombs and all that stuff, because what, who knows what's well, going on? Well, and you're hundred percent right. Nobody knows what that looks like, right? No, what, what cities, what's the results? Like we don't know. All you know is it's going to be bad. So again, that, that's where it goes back down to like, you're, you're hundred percent right is once you get past that initial day or two, like that initial response, even in that, it's going to be hour to hour and day to day. It's just having a game plan to get it, get the ball rolling. So that way, you know, okay, we've laid this plan out. I know that this happened. So I know what I've discussed with Lisa. And this is what I assume is happening on Lisa's end right now. And this is what's happening on my kid's end right now. Cause we've had this discussion and they're all collapsing on the house. They're all coming here or what's going on. So then that way, you know, and once they get there again, it's going to, they may show up and they're going to one of what your kids are going to be like, dad, I saw this on the way that says, Oh shit, this is what we need to think about now. Yeah. Right. But I think having that initial it's, it's when, when I was overseas, when I was doing diplomatic security, we, we would have like, it, it, they're called actions in, in the military. They do this it comes out of the military actions on contact. When something happens, everybody already has a predetermined reason. Like, boom, this is what happens. Right. Like, like when we were, when we were doing diplomatic protection, we were walking what they call a diamond where you have all your people like positioned around the, the, the VIP or escorting. Some people would engage the threat depending on where you were in relation to the threat. Other people would, would cover up on the person you're escorting. Other people would start, you know, getting a way to get out of there. There was all kinds of thing happening, but it was an instantaneous reaction that happened. Oh, look at that. My lights are flashing. Right? When talking about nuclear war. <laughs> it's like aliens are coming to get you. Right. So, and so that way there's no delay in your reaction, trying to figure it out. Everybody has something to do when it, when it happens. And then you go from there, then, okay, we, we, we got the diplomat got attacked. We're evacuating him. Now it's evaluate everything as you go. Okay. Something just happened. Now we need to reevaluate it's, but it's that, I think if you get off the ground, get things started on the right foot with everybody taking a pot one, everybody's going to be scared out of their mind, right? Like you can't not be scared. If you hear nuclear missiles are coming into your country, you can't not be scared. If yeah. you are, you got problems. Like you yeah. should probably go talk to a therapist. I can recommend a few. I, I spent a lot of time with them. Right. And so <laughs> if you get the, the word that nuclear missiles are coming in, you should be scared. And so what, what's hard to do when you're scared, make a rational, like a good, well thought out decision because you have fear in there. You got some level of sympathetic response happening. So take that out of it, go, okay, I was, we talked about it with dad and mom and the, the missiles are, we, we hear missiles are coming in. All right, this is what we need to do. Like right now we need to survive the blast, get down, whatever we can do. And then as soon as that's out, we're all heading to dad's house. I'm picking up the kids and we're heading to dad's mom and dad's house. Right. That kind of thing. Like yeah. have that going. So there's, there's no thought, you know, we talked about when we talked about SHTF plan, we talked about tripwires. That's a tripwire. The alert is uh, there's a nuclear missiles inbound or nuclear. There's been a nuke, a new cap just happened. And you hear that a new happened in Ukraine. Probably a good time to get the family together and do whatever you're going to do. And I think that's the right. easiest part of the process. That initial, oh shit, what do we do type situation. That is the easiest part because that is something we can plan for now. And when that, and we can have that set in place that when the S literally does hit the fan, boom, this is what we're doing. Then after that, mm-hmm. you you figure it out. I, I guarantee you though, it's not going to, you know, that I, I'm thinking of that show Jericho 
from a while back. Great yeah. show, but it's not turning out like that, where all of a sudden they see these mushroom clouds, EMPs and all that, and then they go and have a town meeting about what's going on. No, it's going to be utter chaos. Uh, so, you know, all of that planning and, and all of that staying alert and reacting and all of those things, yeah, play a, a huge role. Well, and in- I imagine, like in your neighborhood, if, if nothing happened locally to you, if, if communications were down, it would start by people walking outside and looking around and like, hey, uh, you hear anything? And it would start that way. People, what you know, what we got. And it's interesting, like if you think back, I one of the little communities that I like to look at when it comes to what that stuff would, would kind of be like maybe is uh, Chris Weatherman, his, his books, right? When that little housing community that they have, the little neighborhood mm-hmm. that when everything goes South, they all, that's like, they kind of fortify it, but they have early, early on, they have issues with people like, Oh, you're going to give me your food and all that kind of stuff. It was pretty neat because it was just like a suburb that kind of went down where Glenn Tate stuff's a little more like they had it isolated and they kind of had that thing squared away like a little military base early on. Um, I like Chris because it, he walks you through the process of kind of what his view of like what that would be like. And, yeah. and and I think that's that his his that first book that he has makes a really good read for what what things could look like after something like that would happen. Yeah. Yeah, get get the ideas and all that stuff. I mean, like 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 I said, the show Jericho was entertaining, and there are bits and pieces that you can kind of at least have that conversation. What would we do here? What would we do here? How is that completely BS? <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's it'd be it, it well, fiction is completely different than reality, even though they're pretty similar in a lot of aspects. Well, and and some of some of the things you can do, like you can have pre-programmed, and that when everybody gets to the house, you you know you do your link up, and it's like, or something that you start doing, it's like, all right, I'm gonna go check the generator. Like you go through all the, you know, as preppers, we always talk about, you know, we, we should be on top of our gear and we should be on top of our equipment. But how many of us do like, you know, when I was at the fire department, you did daily, weekly, and monthly checks on everything, depending on what the piece of gear was. It was checked, mm-hmm. signed off. How many of us do that? Probably very few. Right. So it was part of your maybe job. that's the time like, hey, let's go through and let's get a status on everything we have. Like maybe the next day, go out and start. You know, oh, let's go start all the power tools. You start chainsaw, see if any of them don't work. What the and then you because that way, you know exactly what you're dealing with. Every asset that you have, everything you have on your end to face this 30 day or longer situation, because that's what you're going to need to plan. The information you information that situation is king. Yeah, the, the, that's hard because we're not the boss. Or, or we are the boss. So at work, you have a boss that's telling you this is what needs to be done on a daily basis. When we are the boss, we kind of give ourselves a little bit of slack and be like, eh, you know, I'll check that well, later. Or I should check that, but I'm going to go do this. We, we, we all get busy lives, right? Like stuff happens. And so like you could mean, well, like I'm going to go check the chainsaw and you just don't. Maybe it's you check the chainsaw once every two months, you know, because, hey, if you leave the, oil, you know, what happens if you leave, oil, you know, fuel in it, screws mm-hmm. it up after a while. So, but like, and that's something where you decide that ahead of time too. Like, who's the boss? Like, this is the process. I'm the one given the orders kind of thing, or, or we're doing this as a group, this, but this is have it pre-planned. So, you know, everything that everybody's doing. So it, no one even has to really be the boss at that time. It's like, Hey, we're doing all these checks and we're reporting back in with what we have. So that way, you know, everything. Yeah. You got teenagers, put them to work, give them chores, <laughs> give them a checklist yeah. of stuff to do. Well, I mean, what would be one of the things you'd want to do with them? Hey, who's, who's staying up at night? Who's literally going to be on guard because you can't be on guard all the time. Right. 
at some point you're going to want to sit around in your house and do nothing. And it's going to be really inviting to want to have the whole family sit around and do nothing. But should yeah. you have everybody inside hanging out, having a good time, relaxing, kicking up their heels? Or should you have one or two? I always say, if you have the numbers, have two people outside, but you should always have one or two people that are paying, that are, they are being the security. They're like the designated driver. They're the security so everybody else can relax. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very cool conversation. We had a couple other stories, but I don't know how we pivoted <laughs> to that, but it was a, a just a, a fascinating, it, just really good conversation. Uh, so I just wanted to run with it. Um, very. That's usually something we talk about on Sundays, not Wednesdays. But, uh, um, right. but yeah, it's just it's it is interesting, and it, it is time to start thinking about that stuff. I think because you just you just never know. Seems like something's going to happen in the next year or so. What that is, uh, <laughs> who knows? Or and, or and how how many different things? I mean, who knows? But uh, I'm 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 doing more. I don't know if I want to say I'm doing more than I ever have, but I am more sensitive to all this stuff than I ever have been. I'll put it that way uh, to the stuff coming down. Well, the pipe and remember, you just don't like, know. not trying to scare any people because because I'm not in any better shape. I got a lot of prepper stuff. I have a bunch of food, you know, I mean, but like, did you talk in that level of of insanity? Like right now, remember that right now, all these idiots are intentionally we, we blew up Putin's pipeline or somebody blew up Putin's pipeline. I happen to think it was probably had a hand. We had a hand in it, but somebody blew up his, his pipeline. That's cost him a bunch of money. The, the um, you can, you can take it or leave it. But one of the people from the, like the world food thing or whatever it's called came out and said, because of what's going on over there, there is so much grain and, and like, it's going to cause major uh, food problems this winter. We have the heating oil problems, like everything individually that's going on right now, a lot of what's going on, food, oil, energy, all that stuff, the war is all individually would be really bad. And now it's all piling on. And so that's all just more tensions, more people pissed off, more people hurting. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think, I don't know that we're on borrowed time, but I, I think if any time, like right, like now moving forward, like you should really be focusing on your preparedness right now to at least make sure it's dusted off and you you have thought it through because they're at war right now. They just blew up that bridge going into Crimea. He, he yeah. has this general, you know, general. So it, the specter is out there. And, and it, you know, it's a whatever you can do type situation because like, like we've been talking about, nobody can be 100% prepared. We don't even know, you know, after a certain amount of time what it is that we're preparing for. So just do what you can uh, and get as ready as possible. And if nothing happens, that's great. Come out the other side smiling. Um, and then if it does, cross your fingers because there's, there's no guarantees at that point. So. Yeah, so. that, that's all, that's that's what it's about, you know. I, so I, I talk about it in the in that book, the Mind, Mind for Survival book coming out. It's your capability, right? Mm -hmm. I have a formula for it. Mindset uh, capability is your mindset plus your ability plus luck, and ability and, and mindset. You know, we all know what might have an idea what mindset is. Your ability is made up of your skill and your resources, basically, right? And and your knowledge, right? So do you do you know how to do it? Mindset's more your attitude. Ability is like, do you know how to do it? Do you have the skill to do it? And then how great is your gear? Right. And then you throw the luck factor in. So start thinking through all that and see, we can't control luck to that whole stuff that, you know, fortune favors the brave and all this shit. No, it's 
it's who's most prepared. Are you able to minimize the negative effects of bad luck or are you able to maximize the positive effects of good luck? Right. Yeah. It's so try to try to compensate. So that way you're, you're as pre what we try to do. I think ultimately in preparedness, one of the things that we try to do is to prepare so well that luck doesn't even matter. If good luck works, we're cool. But if bad luck hits that, Hey, I've got it. So covered. Yeah. I don't care about you. Bad luck. Go away. Yeah. But there's not a lot we can do about luck, but it, there, there it kind of is because we can put ourselves in position to take advantage when that good luck happens. Yes. Or we can put ourselves yep. in a position to be um, there when that bad crap happens. So yeah, we can, there, there's some, some extent we can control the luck, but as far as the, the things that are happening, there's nothing we can do about that. No. So, interesting. Very cool conversation. Um, with that, what we'll do is we'll push off a couple of those other topics to Sunday's show. Uh, maybe even expand on this one. It was just kind of a cool conversation, but I was like getting into this prepping yeah, stuff. That'd be and, a good one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, everyone in the chat, I appreciate y'all joining in today. Robert or uh, Roger, Cassandra, everyone else in there. Um, with that, though, I think uh, unless you have anything else to add, we're done today. You got anything else? No, it's good, man. I'm going to go out here and watch this storm. Hopefully not flip my RV up down, down the yeah. field. <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm going to put I'm going to build some of my homemade MREs. I'm going to give that a shot and see if I can do anything. So I'm going to head to the store and and pick up some stuff and then put them in some Mylar bags and we'll see how that works out. I shouldn't have said that because if it sucks, then I'm not going to do anything with it. But. <laughs> it should be well, fun. you know what, man? Hey, when, when do do your video, even if it sucks, you failing at something helps other people learn, man. That's what it's all about. Yeah, that that is very true. Yeah, pretty good at failing too. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten pretty good at other things. Well, I've 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 failed so much that I've gotten pretty good at some stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, everyone. Well, like I said, appreciate you listening. Appreciate you in the chat. Uh, until Sunday, we'll talk to everyone later. Take care and prepare. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Survival Preppers. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to join us on YouTube for our weekly live shows. For more information or to connect with Duff and Dale, visit thesurvivalpreppers.com or the bugoutlocation.com for members only content and prepping courses. See everyone next time.